we're going to talk about perspective. But I want to start out by reading you guys a cat's diary and a dog's diary so we can see the difference. So we're going to start with the dog's diary. So here it is. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., I got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. Lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. Sound like anybody's dog? Am I I nailing it? 3 p.m., wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., I got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, I watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. And then here's a cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity. (laughs) My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. (laughs) So this is really one of the best illustrations I can give you guys about perspective. Same owners, same life. These pets were living in the same house, yet they saw life a little bit differently, didn't they? Well, let me give you three truths about perspective. And here's the first one. How we view things determines how we do things. In other words, my behavior is a result of my perspective. And the second one, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Like when I don't like somebody, when I don't like what somebody else is doing, I automatically like want to go change that person, right? So I either might go talk to them or I might just talk to somebody else about them. But turns out you can't change people, but you can change you. And it just so happens whenever you change the way you look at that other person, the other person might just change. Has anybody found that to be true in marriage? Yeah, pretty good. All right, here's the third one. What I believe about life determines how I perceive life, which determines what I receive from life. And actually, what I want to focus on today is our perspective on possessions. And let's start by looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke 10. It says, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, A priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across the street to the other side. And then a Levite religious man showed up. Uh, He also avoided the injured man. Then a Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, I'll put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. So in this story right here, we actually see three of the four perspectives I'm going to give you today about possessions. And here's the first one, the robber perspective. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And I don't think we need to hang out here, because I'm going to assume that most of us live our lives a little higher than this. Can I, can I go on, or do we, need to, do we need to stay here? I don't want to assume things, but to be honest with you, all of us have a little robber on the inside of us. If you don't believe me, just go observe a few toddlers playing. <laughs> you know all about that. Here's how toddlers think. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, you can have it. 
You see, we're all born into sin, and we all have that little robber on the inside of us who gets envious and selfish and wants to take things from others who we think don't deserve it. Probably the way we do this most as adults is when somebody else has more than us, we think that they should give some of what they have to us, right? And as a young adult, I can remember thinking this about some family members. Not you, Dad. Some other family members. They were well off, and Beth and I were struggling, and I just couldn't understand why they wouldn't give us some of their surplus. Honestly, I think to myself, they don't need it. And here I am with barely enough to pay my bills. And they live in this nice house and get to go out to eat every night. I'm not. I'm not talking about you, Dad. And it wasn't until I stopped thinking like a toddler that things started to change in my life. All right, here's the second perspective about possessions, and that's the religious perspective. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Let's revisit this part of the story. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him angled across, he angled across to the other side, and then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. This reminds me once again of children. Let me use my own to illustrate. So just about every morning, I sit down to breakfast with my one-year-old and my three-year-old. I feel the need to do a little pestering. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just like this deep-down need on the inside of me. You understand, don't you? My one-year-old will just be sitting there smiling, eating her eggs, almond flour, and waffles, and her blueberries. And in case you were wondering, yes, we do eat pretty much the same thing every morning because I'm responsible for breakfast, and I believe that variety is vanity, (laughs) and my family has to deal with that. Anyways, while we were peacefully eating, I'll slowly reach my hand towards Adeline's waffle like I'm going to take it. Her smile quickly turns to a frown. And she says, no, Daddy, Addie's Wapple. <laughs> most, of time, most of the time, I just do this to fulfill my need to pester my kids. But occasionally, I'll turn this into a teaching moment where I remind them of three things. Number one, that's actually Daddy's Wapple. Because I bought it for you, and I prepared it for you. Number two, this is Daddy's show. So just like I gave you that Wapple, I can take that Wapple away. And number three, Daddy doesn't need your Wapple, because Daddy can make his own Wapple. But of course, every parent loves those moments where their kids actually decide to share. Not because they don't like the food that you gave them, but because they're actually grabbing a hold of what you taught them to do. You see, there's two incompatible words when it comes to possessions. Selfishness and significance. Significance is all about others, and selfishness is all about me. And these two things will never be found in the same person, because when you're caught in the perspective of what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it, you will never live a life of significance. In other words, selfish people only cheat themselves. When you hold on to possessions, you're only cheating yourself. You might think that I'm making this up so that you'll give more to our church today. But that's not my motivation at all. I simply want you to know a supernatural truth that's found in the Bible. Let me show it to you. In Proverbs 11.24, it says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. You see, the problem in our culture today is not the haves, in the have-nots, it's the give-nots. It doesn't matter if you have a little or you have a lot. If you're selfish with what you have, you'll never live a life of significance. And here's a third perspective about possessions, and that's the Samaritan perspective. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. So now we're kind of getting where we all want to be in our lives, right? Like, even if you're not a giver now, like, everybody wants to be known as that person that helps other people. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, they all saw the same problem, and they all had a reason not to help. But the difference is, the priest and the Levite had an inside perspective, but the Samaritan had an outside perspective. 
So if I have an inside perspective, I see everything through the lens of how is this going to affect me? In other words, I'm always looking out for myself. So the priest and the Levite saw the man who needed help, but they were thinking, how is this going to affect me? Like, it's going to mess up my schedule and I got things to do and I just can't do it right now because it's going to mess up my life. You see, selfish people never want to be inconvenienced. The problem is, there's a lot of inconvenience when it comes to serving, giving, and loving other people. Now, if I have an outside perspective, I'm thinking, how will this affect others? So the Samaritan was thinking, if I don't stop, what's going to happen to this man? Is he going to die? Like, maybe he has a family and kids and needs to get home to them. Like, that's what the Samaritan was thinking about. The Samaritan probably also thought about himself, but in a different way. Like, how is this going to affect me? Is it going to harden my heart? if I don't go help this guy. Because when you live a selfish life, you can actually get to a point where you see needs and you don't even care. Or maybe you just think to yourself, like, they don't deserve my help. They got themselves into that mess, which may be very true. The problem is when you don't share and you don't serve and you don't give, the only person that loses is you. Albert Einstein actually understood this truth. Look at what he said. A person first starts to live when he can live outside of himself. So I can imagine we all want to be where the Samaritan is, right? Like, how many of you think that's a pretty good place to be? Not, not a trick question. I think it's a pretty good place, too, but can I actually take you to the next level? Because there's actually a fourth perspective about possessions. And before I tell you what it is, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, you should strive for this level because I need these kind of people in my life. <laughs> all right, here it comes. I'm about to give you life change right now. It's going to stretch you, but I can promise you guys that if you get this biblical biblical principle, it's going to turn your life upside down in a good way. You ready? The manager perspective. What's mine is not mine, and I'm going to manage it. So before we dig into this one, I actually have a problem that I need somebody to help with. You see, I promised to take a few people out to lunch today, and I forgot my wallet. So I need about $100 to take these people out to lunch. Anybody willing to give it to me? Thank you, Jody. Oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Now, the rest of you are probably feeling a little guilty right now, wishing you could have gave me the $100. So we're just going to wait here for about a minute for whoever wants to come on up and give me $100. (laughs) I'm just playing with you. (laughs) But seriously, do you guys know why Jody gave me $100? (laughs) Because before service, I gave Jody $100. (laughs) I said, hey, Jody, when I asked for it in service, go ahead and give that back to me. And you know why it was so easy for Jody to give $100? Because he knew it wasn't his to begin with. And why was it so easy for Carrie to give $100? I think he must know that it wasn't his to begin with. Or he loves me that much. Oh. (laughs) You see, when I see somebody who's having a hard time giving their time to God or giving their talents to God or even giving their finances to God, I, I know right off the bat they don't have the manager perspective. But here's the deal. It's not your money. It's not your life. It's not your gifts. It's not your talents. Everything you have is a gift from God. He created you. He gave you your body. He gave you your gifts and talents. He provided everything we need to like build a house, to make a car, to provide jobs. 
God provided all of that. Everything in the world belongs to God, and he gave it to us as a gift. And you see, when you have that perspective, it's not very hard to let go of things that don't belong to you anyways. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. You see, this perspective right here is going to change your life. And this past Christmas, someone wanted to give a gift to somebody in need, so they packaged it up and put the right address on it and called up the delivery man and said, hey, come and get this. Just to find out a few days later, the package never got to the person that needed it. Turns out the delivery man took the package home, and he didn't just take it home, he opened it. And when confronted about it, the delivery man replied, I thought since you gave it to me, it was mine. Here's the deal. We are God's delivery team. God blesses us so that we can bless others. So when God gives something to me, it's not for me. He gives it to me so that I can give it to you. God will only give you what he knows will flow through you. And I can hear some of you thinking like, Kate, I get it, but there's like so many needs out there and there's so many ways to give. How do I know when I should actually give? Well, I'm actually going to give you four questions to ask yourself to guide your giving. And here's the first one. Does the leader have competence and character? So if you're given to a church or you're given to an organization, you want to make sure that the leader has competence and character because everything rises and falls on leadership. In other words, does the leader have the ability, knowledge, and skill to do what needs to be done? And is he doing it with integrity and excellence? A good leader will do good things with your giving, just like a bad leader will do bad things with your giving. And here's the second question. Can I give more than dollars? Can I roll up my sleeves and do something? And more than likely, the answer is yes, you sure can. It doesn't mean it's going to be convenient. It doesn't even mean that it's going to be something that's going to give you a high because you love it so much. But the thing is, when we serve and when we go about doing good, we're showing people Jesus. And like we've talked about the last eight weeks, the ultimate purpose of every believer is to make a difference. And we've even been given the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can have crazy church services and really make a difference. <laughs> no, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can go out and help others in amazing ways. And actually, when you help somebody else, Jesus takes it personally. So like, he's, when you feed the hungry and when you clothe the poor and when you serve in kids' ministry, when you clean the restrooms, whenever you make coffee, you're really doing it for Jesus. He's watching, and he will reward you. He's going to reward you in this life. And you may remember a few weeks ago when we talked about he's going to reward you in heaven. Every time you do good on, here on earth, you're heaping up on this treasure pile in heaven. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what's going to be in that treasure pile, but I'm pretty excited to find out. It's going to be some good stuff. All right, here's the third question. Is this organization making a difference for others and me? In other words, you want to sow into the organizations that are making a positive impact on your life. Then you also want to look around and make sure it's making a positive impact on other lives as well. Another way to ask this question is, if this organization ceased to exist, would people miss it? And I can tell you the answer to this regarding our church, and the answer is yes. Our community would miss us. Our state would even miss us because we'd no longer be supporting Don't Look Back prison ministry. Mexico would miss us. The Philippines would miss us, and the list goes on. So you may look around and like wondering if we're making a difference because of the size of our congregation. But I actually saw the most profound thing the other day. The devil doesn't fear a large church. He fears a united church. 
And our church is more united than it's ever been, because I believe that God is pouring a foundation for what's to come. And once the foundation is cured, like, he's going to set us loose. And you may remember a few months ago where Beth gave us the prophecy of the slingshot. God kind of has us in this thing where he's, like, pulling back the slingshot, and then he's going to launch us off into whatever he has for us. We can't even begin to imagine what God's going to do through our church, and here's the coolest thing. You guys get to be a part of this. I get to be a part of this, and it's awesome. All right, here's the last question, and that's, how can I increase my giving? And to tell you the truth, most of us get this question backwards. We look at our bank accounts and our budgets, and we ask ourselves, how can I decrease my giving to make all this work? You don't got to feel bad. I've done it many times. (laughs) It's really quite comical when you think about it, because when having a money problem, the first and easiest thing to cross off your list is what? Your giving. They don't need it. I do. This past Sunday, I was actually scrolling through my, my Facebook feed, and I came across a lengthy post from a good friend of mine that I don't get to see very often. He doesn't post very often either, so I actually read the post. <laughs> Most things just kind of scroll past. But it turns out his wife has spent the last couple of months really sick, like in and out of the hospital, like almost dying type of sick. I had no idea this was even going on, and he didn't write this post until after they were already home, and she is, was on the road to recovery. They have three very young children, similar to Beth and I, Luckily, they have a good family and church family that took care of their kids while they were in and out of the hospital. Needless to say, I could feel for them, though, because imagine juggling the care of three really small children while worrying if my wife was going to make it. Like, I just can't even imagine what they were going through. And as I finished reading the post, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he prompted me to give them a significant financial gift. But like like we all do, I, I tried to find a way out of it first. So I texted my friend, and I asked what they needed, and he pretty much told me everything's been taken care of. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just wait until he actually needs something then. Then this past Tuesday, I was seeking the Lord for direction on what he wanted me to talk about today. And I was about an hour into preparing this message, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of what he told me to do. He gave me a second chance, and I wasn't going to blow it this time. So right then, I'm like, hey, how do you want money? Do you want a PayPal, Apple Pay, or whatever? I'm going to send it to you right now. Send it to him, and now I realize that this message was for me. So thank you all for hanging with me for the past 20 minutes (laughs) as the Holy Spirit straightened me out. (laughs) You see, I've believed in giving, and I've given the first 10% of my income to my church for the last 15 years, but there's still times that I don't get it right. I forget to ask that last question, how, how can I increase my giving? What's funny about this is if I look over the years of the, all the times that the Holy Spirit's asked me to give like beyond my tithe, I've never missed what I gave away. Like my family was always taken care of even when it seemed like that extra giving was going to cause a grocery crisis. But just like God's word promises, everything I've given has eventually reaped a harvest like I couldn't even imagine. Works every time. And if you want to live the kind of life where you don't have to worry about financial provision and where you can just go around, live a life of significance and make a difference in others' lives through your giving, then you have to have the manager's perspective where what's mine is not mine. I'm just here to manage it. Remember, you can't be selfish and live a life of significance. And let me say it another way. You can't be frugal and live a life of significance. Holding on to what's mine will never bring the security and peace that you're looking for because you will always want more and you will always be afraid that something's going to take what you already have. 
But change your perspective and simply see yourself as a manager of what belongs to God and your family will always be provided for while simultaneously you're making a difference. And for all my skeptics out there who hate talking about money and just assume that anytime it's talked about in church, it's so that I can get some of yours. I get it. Like this is not an easy perspective to change. But I believe that no matter how painful it is, every person in this room can adopt the manager's perspective. And when you do, you're going to look back and you're going to wonder why in the heck it took you so long. (laughs) Because you're going to be living this crazy life that you never could have dreamed of. And I bring you all this message because I'm dedicated to helping every person in this room live their best life. I really want you to do that. And having the right perspective about possessions is a key element to you guys getting there. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and that it teaches us things that the world doesn't. Actually, the world teaches the opposite. And we thank you that we can grab a hold of your word, that we can trust your word and know that everything that's in it is true. Lord, help us to adopt the manager's perspective. Help us to realize that everything we have is yours, and we're just here to manage it. And you're going to give us wisdom and grace and everything we need to be able to manage it the way you want us to manage it. In Jesus' name, amen.